0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: This episode of Enough About Me is brought to you by our great friends at Milton's. At Milton's, you'll be as comfortable in our stores as you'll be in our clothes. South Shore Plaza Branch, which I'm sure is a great location, but my location is Chestnut Hill Square, Chestnut Hill. And also today, by the way, by HelloFresh. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Enough About Me. You can receive $30 off. Your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code Minahan30. Again, HelloFresh.com and use the offer code Minahan30. All right, another repeat guest, Tom E. Carn. He was on one of the earlier ones, I think one of the first maybe five or six, I don't know. He's back again. He's got a book to promote that comes out next month. Uh, yeah, it'll be next month. This is come out at the end of September uh, with Julian Edelman. I actually enjoyed this conversation with Curran a lot. I didn't think our first one was great. I was still trying to figure it out. Wasn't sure what to do. I was much more comfortable this time with Tom. We had a good talk. We talked about the book covering the Patriots. We talked about Brady. Uh you know, talked about a lot of stuff. I talked about the show he's on right now at Comcast, my issues I have with them. Go through the whole thing. I actually enjoyed this a lot. Some of them suck, some of them are really good. This is a good one with Tommy Carmen. has got this book with Julian Edelman coming out next month. I should look that up right now. I'm gonna look it up right now. Relentless. What's that? Relentless. Relentless. Sorry, you don't yell at me. Relentless, Tommy Curren with Julian Edelman. That comes out when, let me see. Twitter, Tommy Karan, pin tweet. Relentless. It, it's current fucking tweet doesn't have the, Are you right? don't no. right oh, okay uh october 24th look at you battling through a stomach ailment you still got it right ben look at you good, good for you gold star for you that's why he produced the best radio show in america october 24th relentless uh julian edelman a memoir with tom e kern uh, when that book comes out, i'm gonna tell you to get it because i'm sure we know Kern does a great job he joins us right now on enough about me all right, so the book is called uh, Indispensable.
0: Relentless. Can't, relentless. can't live without it.
1: Relentless. <laughs> relentless until a preseason game comes along and then he blows out his knee. No, he continued to be relentless
0: in that game, which he didn't. is why he did. out a
1: knee. <laughs> is that what happened? So when you're Tommy Carn and you write the book Relentless of Julian Edelman, which comes out uh, November 25th. October 24th. October 24th. Fine. <laughs> October 24th. Uh, Little Brown Publications. Hatchet. Hatchet Publications, October 24th. Uh, how many books is this for you? This is the first. The first. My Maiden Voyage. There's a matter at all that the subject of the book blows out his knee in the preseason before the book comes out. Do you even care about that? Do you think about that when yeah, it happens? Yeah, no,
0: absolutely, because you tried to make it as current as possible. Right. We agreed to do this book at the end of May, uh-huh. and we compressed everything between May and July 20th yeah. into his life story, his parents' life story to an extent. Um, And you want it to be as current as possible, up to and including him being in Montana with Brady. And you leave the book in a particular way. He leaves the book in a particular way. And so much of the book has been about his mortality, his football mortality and fighting to stay in the NFL. And then, boom, he suffers an injury that certainly is going to have him staring at his navel even more.
1: Uh, We'll get back to that in a second. Do you think at all—and I'm not saying it is. I'm not editorializing here. God knows— do you think that we're at the point in somebody's life when they're 28? 28? He's 31. 31 now. He's 31 now. That's yeah, right. a whole different
0: animal. I know what you
1: know. <laughs> Do we need to write a biography
0: of this man? Does another biography needs to be written? It wasn't necessarily my call. Uh, he pitched we've you. we seen... The publisher did. Okay. The publisher did, and then the publisher pitched the agent. And, you know, when you look at his story... That's a great story, obviously. It's bizarre, yeah. too. It's got a lot of bizarre hooks to it. I think it's more current because of what he's done. So I see what you're saying. It's called a memoir. Okay. Um, I apologize. No, no, no. I'm just saying the fact that it's called a memoir, that's kind of like, you know... Point is he's not what you're looking we're back not dealing is like 70 years. We're not dealing history.
1: with uh, Eli Wiesel here, is my point. No, no, I no, don't think no.
0: No. no, no, no. But if there's application to what the kid experienced, sure, and he thinks that other people could use it. Might as well write it and strike while the iron's hot when people will pick it up and see if somebody gets something out of it.
1: Are you so you're doing your TV show? You're doing your your writing. You're doing all your stuff, and you get a call from from Hatchet saying that they want you to write a book about Julian Edelman.
0: They actually started with Holly because Holly had written. A number of books with Hatchet, and they reached out to Mike and said, "Do you have any contact with Julian Edelman? We might, we think he might be a good, right, topic." Yeah, and Mike said, "Look, you know, just finished two books. I do know somebody who knows him pretty well, so Hatchet <clears to> reached <throat> out to me and asked if I could get them in contact with Julian's um, reps, which are the same as Jimmy Garoppolo's and, yeah. and Tom Brady's. So I got them in touch with them and, and kind of just waited.
1: Well, is there a point though? So you wanted to do it right away." You, you, I was you, always you.
0: daunted by it I've always wanted to write a book yeah. not necessarily a, an ass told to but this I figured was a very good way to start what
1: would you want to do like espionage like spy novel you know what? what I don't know man you were not only not thinking not spy sports novel, but,
0: I, but I think a, I, like in 2007 I was very close to writing a book on that team prior to the season kind of a chronicle of the 2017 was some
1: actual a cooperation in season from the was, coaching staff I was or requesting no? it oh, okay. I was in the process okay. and I was
0: Dealing with a publisher, and that point, I had three kids who were right young, seven, eight, and nine, and I was at NBC, and it just started there. And I just don't think I was—I'm just an anxious prick, okay. and I couldn't have dealt with it. Right. And I finally said, "You know what? I'm not going to be able to do a good job on this." Okay. And they turned out to have a pretty good year that year. I so in hindsight being 2020, might have been a swing and a miss. No, well. but I've always wanted to do a book because I read as you do mm-hmm. voraciously. Yes. So it's uh, this landed there. And they said, would you like to do it? And I said, you know what? Don't be a pussy about it. Do it.
1: Okay. So, okay. You say, I'm not going to be a pussy. You decide to do it. And then Edelman wants you to do the book. You have a point. You you correspond with Edelman. uh, And you begin writing in May, you said?
0: We begin meeting in very early June. When do you start writing? When's the book done? I mean, when is the agreement made to to write a book? About, About 525. Tom, will you write a book with us? May 25th. Yeah.
1: Of this year, yeah, Jesus. So you start talking to Edelman a couple weeks later,
0: within uh, within the week, probably around six three or so. Like do that. you go
1: and see him, or are you talk yep. to this all on the Spend phone. Some
0: time we did a lot of time at his uh, at his condo. So how long is he? How, how
1: many hours do you interview him? For I would say forty. Forty hours. You transcribe the whole thing yourself? Nope. Find okay. that out. Good. Would you have to do that?
0: Uh, a variety of uh, sons' girlfriends. Okay. Oh, uh, really? My wife came in flying in at the end. <laughs> okay. Um, and one of my buddies from uh, from work.
1: Okay, so you do all Phil Perry? Give no. Me, give him a little work? No. No? Okay, fine. Did you thank him in the book? Yes. Okay. Did you thank me in the book?
0: Not yet, this will be in the paperback. In the paperback it will be.
1: Curious move on your part. So, so, so you do the whole thing, so you pour through 40 hours of this, you go through all the transcript. How long is the book? 288 pages. Is it like a bullshit 288 pages where the words are this big? They're well spaced out. They're well spaced out. <clears throat> so but in it reality, is. it's like about forty pages.
0: No, no, no. no 50 it's like, pages. it's all a long ass book. We see. Here's the interesting thing about eyes and I. First person. It is I. Okay. It's, it's I. It's a weird writing eye for another yep. person. Yeah, because if you're going to fill 288 pages, you need to be bridging in between the points and the stories and the anecdotes and the recollections. Right. So you got to eye things that he didn't necessarily say. I think that that people understand that's how an as told to works. Yes. So. You know, when he tells me about a game against Toledo when he was at, you know, yeah, yeah, Kent State, right? He's not gonna he's gonna tell me in general about that game, but I'm gonna have to turn that into the the full context. <coughs> There's all of that stuff going
1: on. You probably should have talked to me before you wrote this. Why? Just I just because I'm, I'm telling you the worst part of biographies, the worst part are like the, the real real prelude. You think it was super prelude? Oh no! Because you? you know when you read books like um, there is no prelude. What's your favorite? What's your favorite biography?
0: ever written. Probably The Last Lion. The,
1: one the, the, Churchill. The, the Churchill one? Okay, that's a good one. But, you know, like... The Springsteen uh, one sucked, by the way. What? I read the Springsteen one. Hey, but you brief we've, we've talked... You don't like Bruce that much. He's He's like good. Good.
0: You're kind of a bullshit Bruce fan. You told me... No, 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 no. I, I, jumped, I parachuted off of Bruce when he started to turn into a caricature. Well, when was that? I would say 88. Oh, Tunnel, Tunnel of, of Love, Love is a great record. Please. Well, it's a great divorce oh, record. I'm going
1: to go <laughs> it's a, the guy's going through a lot. You don't like uh, Ghost of Tom Joe? The Rising?
0: The Rising. Time. Magic,
1: you don't like? That's a great record.
0: The earlier shit. Anyway, Fine. I think I actually. But was, I read I, the Keith Richards biography, which, which was, was great. i Yeah, but how is that possible? Compared you,
1: to Bruce I, I agree with you, but how did you remember that detail, Keith Richards? How is that possible?
0: He, well, he stopped how? using drugs in '71.
1: So. <laughs> I mean, how was that? How was that? How was that? Do you remember? Are you one of those people? It was, it was a start. Do you no, remember things when you were kids?
0: Yeah, I remember my kid stuff, but it's scary. no, not your kid stuff. Do no, you? I remember my personal right. shit. Like my first recollection is when I was about three. I've heard people say they remember stuff from like 18 months. I'm like, no, you don't. But you don't remember like specific, like a lot yeah, of like, stuff you're... from first grade. I do. I don't. What I do, you? but I don't remember anything that's happened in the last 10 years. Nothing.
1: Very little. Really? it scares me. It's, it's probably. Money probably good given some of your work the last 10 years no doubt just to move on (laughs) i will get back to karen and his uh you know unbelievable ability to remember things he was three years old in a minute and get more to the book uh and some Brady stuff as well uh but we're going to take a minute here to talk about hello fresh hello fresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience not just the final plate each week hello fresh creates new delicious recipes probably not Probably the word is recipes, with step-by-step instructions. Each recipe is designed to take around 30 minutes to make in your kitchen. The recipes are set up so that anyone can make a delicious and nutritious home-cooked meal in 30 minutes. By the way, if you have kids like Kate Sage, my daughter Kate, who's 10, she enjoys the entire process, the making of it. Gets to see what goes in, and she gets to enjoy the meal that she made herself at the end. Tell me you, if you have kids. I'm going to say 8, 10, and up cannot go wrong. Uh, they source the freshest ingredients, measure to the exact quantities needed, so there's no food wasted. Everything is deliverable to your doorstep in the recyclable insulated box. Less than $10 per meal, by the way. And I've teamed up with HelloFresh, and they are offering everyone in our audience $30 off your first week of deliveries. When you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code... Minahan 30. I've enjoyed the experience. You know, I talked about it. I've talked about it a lot. You can get anything you want there. You can make whatever you want. And again, it's something you can do with your kids. It's not going to be a pain. You'll enjoy the process. That's HelloFresh.com. Use code Minahan30. Get $30 off your first week of deliveries. you be nuts not to try with that deal. $30 off. You got to do it. And now our friends at Milton's. You know, I love Milton's. Milton's the best place out there. We've been sponsoring us since day one. We appreciate it. We love them. If you're a groom-to-be, by the way, you know, everyone's looking at the bride. That's fine. But you deserve some attention as well. My friend Dana Katz and Milton's, the store for men, agrees. He says nothing looks better on the groom than a custom suit from Jack Victor and a custom shirt from Stant. Three quick measurements is all it takes to match you to one of 99 sizes for a perfect fit. That's a guarantee. Whether you like an ultra slim fit, a modern fit, you want to do a riff on your own style, custom is the way to go for your big day. The experts, and they are experts in Milton. If you're like me, you know nothing about clothes. You walk in, they will make you look great and feel great. You can put the groomsman in a sharp suit. Maybe one of the famous buy one get one free deals. It's so popular with wedding parties that tie everyone's together with the perfect tie or pocket So You look extra special in your suit, and the guys, including the dad, ring bearer, all of them look great too. That's why they say, and they say, and it's true at Milton's. You'll be as comfortable in our stores as you'll be in our clothes. South Shore Plaza, Braintree in Chestnut Hill Square, Chestnut Hill. We'll fight about the Springsteen book later, but I'm sure you won't do this with Edelman, I'm guessing, you're a smart guy. But when I read some of these books sometimes and they talk about like, uh, uh, everybody loved that Lindbergh book a couple of years, 15 years ago, remember mm-hmm. that book? And it's one of those books where they talk about like his grandparents' lineage, and you're like, can we just fucking get to the part where he,
0: he starts flying around? Okay, but here's what was interesting, and I did have too much of that in there initially. In the, in the... Like you go into like, the Edelman family lineage? Yes, because it was relevant. Well, how was it relevant what his great-grandfather did? Good question. Okay. Uh, It's especially relevant because this book is relevant in a father-son way. Because his father was a maniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And admits that and acknowledges that and said, I made a lot of mistakes with the kid. I was way too hard on him and and some of the stuff I'm embarrassed by. Yeah. But why was his dad like that? His dad was like that. And this was, we trimmed it back. His mom and dad were completely polar opposites in the way that they were raised. And his dad's mother, this is what's freaky, is... uh, she lived in Oklahoma and she had three children. This is his grandmother. Th- no, no, this is this is Julian's uh, grandmother. Right. All three were deaf. Mm-hmm. So, at that point in the 50s, they were probably going to be committed. Right, institutionalized. So, Julian's grandmother decided she didn't want to do that. So, being in Oklahoma, there were only two places she could go. She could either go to San Francisco or New York to find a school for the deaf and dumb. Right. Or deaf and dumb.
1: Yeah. Well, back then they called her deaf and And, they, and that's yeah, why I uh, right. referred to that, because yeah. they
0: had that. She basically packed up, left her husband, and moved to California with her three deaf kids right. to raise them in California and put them in a school in Berkeley. See, that's While interesting. there, right. she met uh, a guy named John Edelman, who fathered Frank Edelman, Julian's father. John Edelman was never a part of Frank's life. The only time he recalls seeing him was when he was in his casket. Right. And as a result, Frank basically grew up like a feral child. Yeah. His three older deaf brothers and sisters were away. Right. His mother was working and or kind of just out on the town. She mm-hmm. was kind of a fun okay. lady. Right. So Frank raised himself from the time he was like three or four. Okay. And he ran wild all over Redwood City, which is where Julian was. Right. Where he grew up. But he had no real support in terms of, hey, you know, structure. Yeah. But this guy coveted structure. Right. So he said, when I have a kid... My kid's never gonna lack for structure. Right. So basically Julian oh, okay. grew up that's, that's relevant. with the cane. Right. All the time. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean there's stories, there are multiple stories of their interactions physically and, and right. just the way he was raised. And, and Frank looks back at him and goes, you know, it's too hard. And it's hard when you look at it, you're parenting, I'm parenting, people listening to it are how do you do it right? There's no friggin' handbook, especially if you're a guy who grew up with no friggin' parents and True. you're in the fifties. Yes. And he did the best he could. And he, people, he was a friggin' maniac.
1: Well, don't you think, uh, this is the way I think of it anyway, so my dad's dad would hit, would hit the kids a lot. Yeah. A lot. I mean, it especially hit my dad's older brother. He was the, the oldest, so he would take the brunt of it and take it for his brothers. And my dad would never touch us ever, ever, ever. That's why. But I do think you go one way or the other. I, I think it's extremes. I think you either emulate your dad exactly. Or you go the exact opposite way. My dad chose to go the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Now I go the exact opposite way. Him, I beat the shit out of my kids.
0: Well, that's... That, I
1: mean, because they asked for it. It's it gets
0: like, a generation. <laughs> exactly.
1: What no, but I, but I do think that that's sort of... I mean, you know, I don't know about your upbringing, but I never witnessed that. But I can't imagine... You know, I mean, so did, so Edelman... But at the same time, I'm guessing in a weird way, that, that toughened Edelman up.
0: And he embraced it. Right. And he loved it. And him and his brother Jason... Well, I can't imagine he loved getting hit. No, he didn't. But when he tells the stories of they would religiously go to the baseball fields because right. baseball was where all the shit happened. Right. They'd go to the fields. He'd come home from work. They would drive around, try to find the open field. Once they found the open field, they'd start pitching to him. Right. Julian had a habit of trying to pull shit or he'd make bad decisions. His dad would get pissed at him. Julian would get pissed back and it turned into a shitstorm. And finally, when Julian was 15, um, they, got in a, they got in a fist fight because Julian charged the out and Tried to attack his dad, and his dad took him down. Basically, he had just gotten braces. He shows up at uh, the game, because it was taking BP before the game. He shows up at the game, blood all over his <laughs> jersey. Like, what happened, Frank? Well, you know what happened. Same Jeez. thing that always happens.
1: And now they're okay, though?
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Right.
1: No yeah. issues I mean, at all. the guy
0: is absolutely fantastic. I mean, I got to got to know him. I spoke to him a, a ton. How many people did you talk to for the book? I would say 25 to 30.
1: Yeah, you can talk to Brady? Yep.
0: Uh, Belichick? Belichick, again, he, he was willing to do it, and he is uh, he's present there with a blurb on the back, but we were on such a time constraint. It was supposed to be in July 15th, so everybody was scattered to the winds, that I wasn't able to get Belichick. I got Kraft, uh, Matt Slater, uh, who, believe it or not, he and Julian are, are best friends.
1: Really? I had no okay. idea. No, I didn't know. How would I know that? I wouldn't know that.
0: Um... Who else? Amendola. Um, So there's a lot of guys. Yeah. um, But a lot of it's the upbringing. The kids that he grew up with. The the people in college who really understand how this guy kind of willed himself to do what he did. And how much of an asshole he was. That he self-admitted asshole. That he just didn't care if people didn't like him because he was like his dad. He was going to just force things to go the way he wanted them to.
1: Did he ever talk to those... I guess those have been his aunts or no? Am I wrong? Oh, the the, the, deaf, the, the deaf, deaf kid. Yeah. No, the I, de- I I I didn't talk. No, no, no. You. You, Edelman, no. Edelman, 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 Edelman. <laughs> I'm saying, did he ever
0: meet them or have a relationship yes. with them or no? Are they alive? Two of three, I believe, are alive. One right. was uh, one had. Actually, meningitis at oh, some Jesus point when she was young. Then, right. And Julian, actually, his father freaked out. That's another side story. Julian was diagnosed with meningitis when he was a baby. and His father freaked out about that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So a, a lot of depth to it, if you like. If you're, the one great thing about this, Kirk, is yeah. that this is a book that is really the first one that's a full tell-all by a guy who's on the Patriots while he's still playing. Bruschi did one after his stroke, but that really focused on the stroke, and right. Gronk did one with his agent that was... It's a terrific read.
1: Yeah. It's one of the great books of all time. So, But I mean, is Edelman... Because when you talk to these players now, and you deal with them, and we talk to him on the air or whatever, I mean, is Edelman... Do you get the sense, even still, when you're talking to this guy, you know about a book that he knows has to be on this? Does he hold back a little bit when he talks about the operations of the Patriots? No. He did ah, So right, I'm ask you this. When it comes out, will this piss off people in the Patriot organization...
0: Well, a guy like Belichick say, "Why are you saying this?" Uh, see, that's the thing is he tells a lot of behind the scenes stories. Like, give me, give me a good one. I would guess that, that that his relationship with Welker was was an interesting one. Didn't like him. Welker wasn't having it. Welker well, was, was right. and I spoke to Welker for the book too. And you know, Welker said, you know, in the sidebar, one of the things he said is, uh, "You know, Julian's different, and and that's." Uh, He's, he's kind of a guy you have to get used to he's an acquired taste
1: it wasn't so much that he was an understudy and that upset him or
0: no it drove him fucking crazy right he just was always just going a million miles an hour a million questions um and Welker is more of an understated guy like right. I remember Julian said you know he'd, he'd be in a line he'd always made sure to take the rep behind Welker right. so he could watch what Welker did and one time, Julian asked Walker a question. Walker goes, "How about this? Why don't you just watch the fucking coach, and then do what he tells you to?" <laughs> right. right. Was that
1: was that scene in the uh, in that one that Belichick did with the NFL Network, that two-parter? Remember? When, do your
0: job, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm talking about the, the one. Was it was that do your job one ten years, seven, eight years ago? Oh, was right, no, no, year, no, no. The Ravens. Year.
0: I know which one you're talking. Yeah, I'm talking about, it.
1: yeah. And and Welker's heard another Edelman. There's that great game behind in the preseason. And he talks about Wally Pip, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Belichick says something to Welker. And Welker's like, yeah, yeah, good for him. And Belichick's like, yeah, way well, you be competitive and just walks right. away. <laughs>
0: it's just yeah. it's, Welker. Welker talks about that. Oh, yeah. It actually bothered him in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, it, and he actually said uh, about Bill. He goes, well, that's predictable Bill. You know, I don't know who it is. And he makes it sound like I'm, I don't give right, a shit.
1: Right,
0: Who's a better player? Edelman. I think so, too. I think he's a better football player.
1: Although you forget how good Walker was, though. Oh, he was his, incredible. At his best, he was unbelievable with that team. Got 122 passes. Yeah. A couple times you had he had 120 He had
0: 1,500 friggin' yards in 2011. <laughs> that's insane. But I think... The interesting thing is, and that's where it circles back to Edelman, is when Welper was leaving in 2012, instead of saying, well, Julian, you're our guy, they signed him to a minimum offer, and he had to go to the New York Giants. He went to the Giants, and right. He was very so, close to I mean, signing the, there. I
1: was going to ask you It's funny. So I was going to ask you that. So he walks into the—I remember reading and tweeting, and you guys were all tweeting that day. He's at the Giants' facility. And I remember thinking at the time, well, yeah. who gives a shit? Right. I mean, that's the way the Patriots roll, whatever. He's going to go. They're bringing somebody else. Was he doing that because he wanted the Patriots? Did he want to stay with the Patriots, or was he prepared to sign
0: with the Giants? Was that going to happen? He was prepared to sign with the Giants, and um, Ben Rowitz, who's uh, yeah, Brady's very close with Brady and yeah. very close with, with Edelman, mm-hmm. uh, they sat. Rowitz told me that you know Edelman was at his house just kind of crying about the decision and just wrenched about it. And Brady eventually said, you know what? Come back. Trust me. I'll make it work. Trust me, it will be the best thing you do. Don't go. And uh, but he was frigging close, and, and he felt, you know, kind of a little jilted. He was also very close to signing with the Niners after that 2013 season. Right. J- Jim Moore, not Jim Moore. Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh. Yeah. was. Uh, <laughs> it's a funny story in there about Jim Harbaugh during their meeting out there. He he says to him, uh, you know, he goes, "I'm not supposed to do this, but what's it going to take to get this done with you?" <laughs> so, Julian, like, threw out of numbers. <laughs> no wonder the trump thing didn't work. <laughs> um, oh, shit, what was I going to say?
1: Oh, Brady. So, we were talking before this podcast, I was talking about how Brady's on with us still every week, and I don't think right now he's that crazy about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wonder at what point does Brady just say, screw it. And you said, you know, Ian says he's a company guy. I forget the phrase he used. He's an infantryman. He's an infantryman. I mean, stuff like that over the years, you know, he's close with Edelman, obviously. But even back then, he's not going to step in and say that Belichick or Kraft signed this guy. No. Other quarterbacks would and have, obviously, in the history of the league. That's just never been the way he's operated on. Huh? No. And that's Edelman's good. okay with that?
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean, Edelman is, is of the same mind. I mean, that's that's the way he was raised with that right player, coach, father, kid, all that stuff. Very, very simple. We're not friends. We're not sharing. And that's why you see Belichick and Brady, and they're not as close right now as you— probably would say, you know, Belichick and Harrison are, or Belichick, and any number of players who have moved on. Um, and I think that'll come later, but I wouldn't consider their relationship to be exceptionally close.
1: He told us he's never spent time socially with Belichick ever. I mean, they played Pebble Beach or whatever, but that's that was a range. He's never had dinner with them individually. That's what he said to I mean, yeah. You know, it's, right. that seems you just think of them as this, the greatest you know pairing of all time. But then again, I don't know how many times Popovich and dunking that
0: dinner together but doesn't that make sense when you look at the history the the military history of shit when you look at Belichick growing up in the place that he did Naval Academy and there's a you know chain of command and you can't be can't be fraternizing with the true that's true yeah I guess that's true because it ain't gonna it's not gonna help you it's not gonna help you with the rest of the locker room
1: do you think anybody's, and I guess Halberstam did it to some extent, but that's a long time ago, and Belichick's on a lot since then. Is somebody going to sit down with Belichick, sit down with somebody at some point?
0: I can't imagine. One of these my-life stories? I have to, because he gives a shit about the history of the league. You look at the library that he has in his home. You look right. at the access he's given NFL films, and you have to say at some point he will. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he doesn't write it himself to a large extent. Right. Um, what about
1: Brady? I'm not counting this thing. I'm, i an actual book where it's about, you know, I'm not talking about. Yeah,
0: I, I would, I would think Brady will at some point. Yeah, you are gonna try and get in that? I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm. Did just, you enjoy I'm this process? I did, but like I said, I'm just sometimes I'm pretty easily daunted. I mean, I'd like to write a Brady book, right? So it'd be good for the business. I would say. Um, but you know, I get daunted by like, would I do the whole thing justice? Would I be able to do the right job for it? And then what I would inevitably do is somebody else would get. The book, and I'm like, well, shit, I could have done a better job than him. So, right. Again, stop being a pussy about well, there, it. Has, has there been
1: a book in those 10 years where you said, since the 07, you said, shit, I should have written that one? This guy wrote this.
0: Yeah, Michael wrote Belichick Brady.
1: Yeah, that's true. You know,
0: and Ian O'Connor um, from is he writing one right ESPN, now? he's been hovering he, around Belichick for a long he's time. He's been writing a lot of Brady Belichick stories the last year. Yeah, he's years. been around for a long time, and I don't I, The I other know guy's writing Brady,
1: the. Um, Shit, the D.C. guy, he wrote a New York Times magazine story about Brady Leibovich.
0: Oh, yeah. He's, he's writing one, right? Yeah, he's, he and I have become really good friends during the yeah. process, and uh, he's actually excellent. I mean, do you like his writing? His I, read this,
1: I read the D.C. one you did a couple of years ago. What the hell's name of it? I
0: don't know. I read it. Was it was he, pretty good. He is, uh, I don't want to talk out of turn regarding his his structure, but we talked last Thursday before the game, and so much has happened since 2014 when, I, when he started it that I think his, his vision has widened, widened yeah. on the whole thing. and sure. It's more of a league thing, but I think the Brady and Belichick are going to be a massive part of it. But that's going to be a great book.
1: Well, what's it going to be about? The league? Goodell? Where it is. Where the the league,
0: Goodell, the ownership level, how the league choose, how that feeds change. on
1: itself. That can change a lot between the publication of a book and the release of a book. Think. That's a hard yeah, I mean, thing, right? The whole league could tear its ACL. You never know. Are you with me at all? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Are you with me at all? We'll get back to the book in a second. I feel like Charlie Rose right now. This is fun. Uh, yes, I'm enjoying it. Are you with me at all in the craft? <laughs> kind of try to play both sides in this Cadell thing. I mean, you can't call press conferences. You can't, and then all of a sudden be part of a committee that gives this guy a new deal.
0: I think what's fascinating is no? Is that, yeah. But, I mean, he, I thought that it started in May of 2015 when he said, I stand with the owners, and what happened there was he got with that group at the Ritz-Carlton in San Francisco. You
1: mean like the Rooneys and-, and
0: they, they, they kind of gave him the high hat, right. and he felt like he might have felt in 1992, 93, or 94, he felt like the outsider again. And I think a few people put their arm around him and tried to talk sense to him and said, we'll work something out, which is what Kraft himself has said. Sure. I thought we, I would be able to, to, you know, manufacture and politic. And it didn't happen. And he got sold the bill of goods there. So once he realized the reaction in New England to him doing that was that he sold Brady out. Right. He tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube by going on the offensive against, against Goodell. The fact of it is, Robert and Jonathan... Don't believe that Goodell is necessarily the fully guilty party. <clears throat> well, who is? The lieutenants below. Well. Operations. Um, who's
1: in charge of those guys? Ultimately.
0: Ultimately. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, well, who's, I was, who's in charge of you? I mean, nobody. You, they, they're I not Right alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Yes, I mean, right every, every, everybody. Everybody. I understand. Everybody
1: has a boss. I get
0: that. Yeah. So when you go off the rails, you know. Yeah, I get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, right. But. So what's your point? Him being off the rails, as far as the crafts were concerned, was the lieutenant level of the NFL saying, you know what? They've been doing this shit and doing this shit and thumbing their nose at you since 2007 and getting away with it. If right. you let them get away with it, do you know how many shitstorms we're going to have on the horizon? Right. With Dallas, with the Maras, with the Rooneys, with the Richardsons. Yeah. So. Make him take his medicine here. We're, we're going to make him take his medicine. Do you talk about the flake in the book?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is he good on that? Very. Yeah. Honest? He's very. not a fan of Goodell's, I'm guessing, or no?
0: He didn't seem to be. No. He didn't seem to be. I
1: mean, you know, we've never really had Brady say anything about it with us. No, Nothing. He was,
0: he was very good. Yeah. He was very good um, about how, how angry it was, angering it was.
1: What? So between, So you're writing this book while you're doing a new TV show? Mm. Right, trying to be a beat writer for the Patriots, sort of. Whatever the title is, yeah, I mean, that's, that's moved. Phil,
0: down. yeah. Now that I'm doing the Night Show, Phil Perry has kind I mean, of. You're more of an entertainer now. You're more like Merv Griffin, I would say. I than would say that. I'm, I think Mike I'm Reese. an information
1: purveyor. If Merv Griffin and Mike Reese had a baby, I think that it would be. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to watch that conception. I think maybe that's just me. Uh, between all that, and then you're cranking out this book. Like I mean when you said so when you're done with the book, who's the first man, the first person who reads it? You give it to Edelman, do you read it? Obviously you read it, but who reads it? Oh, you it mean the rough
0: draft? Yeah, you're done with it when Oh happens. uh Publisher. I'm done with it? The Editor? publisher reads it as right. I go because we had to do it so quickly. He was reading the chapters as I was finishing. It's one of these there. things at at first is too many pages and they say you gotta cut the yeah. shit out. Yeah, right. we don't really care that his grandparents um, right. emigrated from Right. Yes. You know, they're German descent, then they were in Sweden, and then they moved to Canada, to Kitchener, Ontario, down right. to... Re- we don't really... That's that's nice. Was there anything in
1: there that, that he said to you that later on... Obviously, you can't say now, maybe. But he said, to you we, we can't use that. we got to
0: take this out, or no? Jesus, that's a great question. Ah, mm, uh, yeah. A uh, whole shitload of fucks. Oh, no fucks are allowed? Well, when I did the search... See, I just said, I'm going to do... Between... Adding in all the historical stuff and adding in everything he said, I said, you know what? I'm going to throw everything. I've never written a book before, so I'm going to send it in just as I, the books that I read yeah. and let them deal with it. So when Julian's agent, Carter, read it, um, Carter Chow, yeah. he said, you know, I'm looking at this and uh, my 11-year-old daughter's going to read this. And it's just an awful lot of, of fucks. I said, well, some of them are gratuitous and some of them are necessary. Uh, there were 57, so I winnowed it down to only conversational ones that were reflective of you know, moments or, or things. Generally, they were in quotes. So somebody actually said them. So that was really the only thing, content-wise, that we pulled out. How about you write
1: a book with a guy? You have a relationship with a guy. Does it bother you? Or does it get in your head at all? What happens? Two years from now, I'm doing my show. He gets popped for PEDs, or he hits his girlfriend, or something. Can I be,
0: yeah, fair no, on this story? If if I hadn't been doing it this long, yeah, I, it would be way harder for me. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between me and a Times beat writer, or a Times NFL reporter, or a you know, yeah, um, Jim McBride, right. or you know, we've so much morphed from. Being strictly the factual beat writer I'm asked to give perspective now if, if something like that happened I think I'd be able to give better perspective But there. do you consider him a friend? Yeah,
1: I guess so Is that odd? Do you feel that's odd? Given he's a player or do you not care? Would you have cared ten years ago?
0: Uh, look I consider him a, a friend A professional acquaintance Right. You know? So you have no problem blasting him if something happens it probably wouldn't be an outright, I don't believe in his level of character. Right. You know like this I mean? thing that happened to him, whatever that was. When was that? Yeah, he went into great detail on that, 2011.
1: skirt, a girl, he allegedly grabbed a girl mm-hmm. or something like that. that. Right? Is that right? Yep. That's the right story. So that's in there as well.
0: Yep. So that happens. He broached it. I was surprised yeah. uh, how much uh, he broached it and spoke about it.
1: So that may I mean that happens today, you would be comfortable talking about
0: it. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Yeah, but I that's have... the thing is you have to, and that's what I think is a failure On our part in the media right now, because we're 24 7, I'd want to know. And if I got on TV that night and said, Look, I I need to have more of the facts of exactly what happened. It doesn't work. Because you look at the, you know, last week the Michael Bennett thing happened. And, you know, we're in the office and and there are people in our office who were just outraged. And I said, I I really just, you know, it, it looks terrible and I don't understand what it's like. I've never been pinned to the ground and I know that it is. I've read, you know, the broken windows theories of policing and right. all the shit that went on in New York uh, and, and I understand yeah. how much damage that did but until I know why this one particular person in a sea of people who had heard gunshots was asked to get on the ground, then I need to know more and I think people are, weren't accepting that, that there's a rush to find out. Now, Are we ever going to find out exactly what the Las Vegas Police Department alleged happened? Probably not. And,
1: and to be honest, if he finds out that the Bennett's and it's not telling the truth. It'll just go away, right? I mean, LeBron James' story just went away, and that's ultimately we talk about a lot in the show. Is you know, I just want proof. That's all. Just give me. Just I'm looking at it from. Give me. I'm not saying I don't believe somebody says something or I don't you know. But can we wait for proof before we rush to before we? I mean, journalistically, I'm surprised at some of these. And guys.
0: that's the same way we, we get. That's why you know we got here was because of an a, you know hypothetical instance with with a player that I developed a relationship with. I'd want to know all the shit that happened, right? Like. For instance, take Guerrero. For instance, we have a caricature of him that we resort to frequently <clears> when <throat> his name comes up. Alice Guerrero. Yeah, which yeah, he's a witch doctor. He's uh, you know, well. Uh, I mean, we have some proof too. I mean, he was peddling
1: fake cancer juice. I
0: mean, that truth, that fact, has moved through a filter and become viewed through one way. Now, was well, it, I think I've been a big part of of moving it that way. No doubt, right? But has it? Which is, I wouldn't bring it up to you if you hadn't. Right, okay. Um, I asked him about it. He didn't want to go into chapter and verse on it because he figured it was... You talked to about this book? No, I didn't. No. Uh, I wanted to, but again, right. fucking ridiculous time crunch. But, yeah. yep. Um, the way he states, stated it to me when I've spoke, spoken to him in the past is, look, he didn't want to be portrayed as a doctor. The person who did that shit... Way back, portrayed him as a doctor without his consent.
1: Okay, but he's, still, but he's still selling this obviously bogus, bullshit cancer stuff.
0: Yeah, but you say it's obviously well bogus. If he I mean, believes it to be helpful in combating, I mean, there's a point at which. You're, but that's oh, not. Yeah, but that, but that's I'm a stage four metastasized. Well, I'm not sure that he's going to walk up to him and say, Well, I got something that's going to Well, fix I understand it. my sensitivity is probably heightened toward it, but I'm, I'm
1: saying, but I am saying that, you know, that's not, but you're also painting the way that that's not the way he pitched it. I mean, I've read the transcripts of the stuff he sold before. It's not like he said, well, if you
0: just got diagnosed, and if it's stage one or two, come on over here. Well, you know what? Then that's probably where I'm coming up short because I haven't read the transcripts. Before. Yeah. Pitch it. And,
1: you know, he's obviously had some financial dealings. And mm-hmm. I would just say, for me, and, like, I, I like you like Guerrero. I mean, you've, you've, you, you think just, it works? I've spent time just, with him. Yeah, I understand. I, I mean, I totally get that. But what I would say is, like, other than the Boston Magazine story, I am personally surprised that Tom Brady and you have, this is, Right here, the TB12 method. Uh,
0: the reason it's here... If you, I just got the friggin' thing in my house today when I was walking out. Look eyes. He's looking right at me. He is looking right at me. I feel like Tell Jim Gray. We've got recipes! Oh, Jesus. Good. All right, go ahead. That looks
1: good. Um, like, where's the long-form story in some big publication about Guerrero and his past? It is an interesting story. He's tied in with the most famous athlete on the planet, who right now is writing a book in an essence... I mean, in essence... Guerrero is his is his business partner and really the co-author of the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, philosophically, right? Right. I mean, that's interesting to me, sort of a deep it dive is. Into,
0: into Guerrero. Deep dive into where he came from, who first believed in him, where he learned what he learned, who he first incorporated well, all himself All his fuck-ups, like. too. Absolutely right, all, I'm all I'm his fuck-ups. The same fuck-ups with Julian Edelman at Storyville in 2011. The same fuck-ups with you know, Tom Brady and Tara Reid or whoever else would be. A, well, I would say that... But shine a light on it and allow... The context to be given See when I brought that up It was more of Get the full context Sure I, it's,
1: I'm, I'm, I want to, And I've, I've, we've tried to have Gregor on three million times He'll never do it I mean that's not going to happen It's
0: too bad Well I don't blame
1: I, I I understand it's a trap It's a tough spot for him Do you find um, I, I think I asked this Last time you are on the podcast Do you find Brady harder To deal with now Than ten years ago no, no No I don't Just as easy Yeah Really So you can just You can go up and talk to him
0: Yep but there's more people in the locker room. They used to um, do a lot of locker room spots, right? If you walk up to him and say you got a second, he'll talk to he'll you. He'll talk to you. Yeah. Um, I just think he's it's it's just an insane. I think now more than ever, because he is at this stage of his career and he's won five Super Bowls, um, and he is at a at this point where he can see the finish line, that he does want to transition toward. All right, I'm gonna I have to do something from the age of 43 to the age of 75. Right. What's it going to be? And he's more concerned with managing... As you point out, with, with your, your spot, he's going to manage his message more. Yeah. Is I mean, this boring? Is this a boring no, podcast? So I don't think, I think so. Do you? No, I'm enjoying it. It's absolutely but didn't frigging Jerry complain last time it was boring? Oh, my God. What are you? Who am I dealing with?
1: He's, everybody worries about shit. What do you care? What do you care what Jerry Callahan thinks? He's talking about being... Well, I want your product to be it's fucking
0: It'll be fine. Jerry's I want your product. I don't care. No, you, Jerry is You're good. Wait, Jerry's yeah, default fucking setting is to complain. <clears throat> you don't like Jerry?
1: I like Jerry. Do you do? I have a lot of friends' with default settings to complain. I'm just wondering if you like Jerry personally I or did. not. You do? Do you I know did. him personally? The way in really if you like him or not? Do you have that kind of relationship with him? He's a good friends. I think mine. he's
0: knee jerk. Yeah. Yeah, he's all right. He's okay. He, go, he's we, he's good friends with uh, with a girl I went to college with. So if she signs off on him personally Who well,
1: don't you like in the media? Go ahead, let's do it. You want to get this thing interesting? Let's fucking start naming some names. Don't fuck around here. Let's go. Don't pussy out. I know you said a couple of times you're a pussy. Don't be a goddamn pussy. Be a man. I don't know if it's worth put the headache. Put your pants on. Just Put your goddamn
0: fucking. Yeah, pants but I know
1: it's worth the headache. I do it all the time.
0: Yeah, we to make how... a living. I know. Look how much hair you have left. It's true. We haven't made eye contact the entire time. I'm not big on
1: that. You know that, though.
0: Eye contact? Yeah, that's not my thing. Yeah, but d- d- it's, it's, it, it hints at the level of anxiety you have. So that's the I life you're leading right now. Because so I'm so we get along fine, you and me. Yeah, yeah, you've great. have always liked me. I've always liked you. Yeah, from day one. You said, "This guy's
1: a he's a riser. He's a gunner So you <laughs> came to me. You said you're a cover one time. I, said, that's, I did uh, not uh, say uh, that. Did I did say see that? Oh no,
0: no, you did not. No, you did not. You did <laughs> that not. was my best tweet. Oh, my. my best tweet of the weekend. What's that? I said, "Holy crap, the Texans suck." Some guy tweets at me. Deshaun Watson's coming. I said, well, once he gets cleaned up, they better get him out there. <laughs> um,
1: uh, you don't do much radio anymore, though, now that you know all this TV, right?
0: Now I am. You now are. the football started. What are you doing? I did uh, friggin'. I'm going to do Friday night 6 to 8 with Mutt and Keefe. Oh, Jesus what? Christ. What? The fu- I I like what the fuck are you mine. doing? That's quick. Where are you doing it? I'm coming up to Brighton. And you going to schlep over to Burlington? No. Friday night's going to be a night off because I have to work Sundays. Oh. Uh. So Kevin Miller said you're not you're not gonna be running around doing radio from six to eight and Miller, yeah, I remember him. Head still has the same amount of hair as he has Doesn't previously. Yeah. Not there a lot. You,
1: you miss me at Comcast. You miss me over there. I think you will living things up. I think so too. I think so too. I think it should start going on about ten, ten thirty on weeknights maybe. You get to four.
0: That'd be funny. It's not
1: it's not my kind of show. Well, honest
0: to go, why? It's well
1: it's too sport out for me. You know that. There's a ton of grab-assery. Kind of, but it's sort of like TV grab well, no, TV no, no, grab-ass no, no. is different than this one. Not grab-ass.
0: only is there grab-assery, there's grab-ass segments. We get into, you know, plenty of... You're not doing that thing where Holly's a judge anymore, are you? You, you know what? You have to take swings. You I'm just saying, but that, is, that has been... A, that has been that I has thought not it expired. was funny.
1: That's, that's, a, that's expired? It has
0: not been... No, it's not expired. It's, it's, it's on the back burner. I think maybe we should... Call the day. Might, you know what? Now it's going to be. Now don't it's going to be, <laughs> be exhumed. I'm, I'm not going to watch. I also think there's a little bit of. You guys kind of treat
1: Giles like I'm better than you, sort of thing going on with him. Like yeah, shut the fuck
0: up. I hear you. A little bit of that.
1: Yep. Let him breathe a little bit. I, mean, I, I, don't think he's good. I don't think he's got a lot to offer anyway. So, no, so, he's so good. then, until so you get rid of him, then you let him talk
0: more. Then you'll, no, so then you'll prove your point. No.
1: <laughs> you see, yeah, that's
0: how I would do it. That's what there I would are do. occasions where I, I. The girl's good though. Casey's great. But she there are great. occasions where I say something to Giles or, or I cut him off at the knees. I'm like, oh, you prick. Let him finish what you I think you say get it. a little too
1: NFL expert sometimes.
0: I tell you know, I t- t- I overblust A little bit. And I know you're a good guy, so I I know it's not like Yeah, I overblust. There's times I I can't see I don't have to watch the show afterwards because I honestly cannot stand my TV persona.
1: What do you mean? Like the sort of wacky what does that
0: mean? <laughs> yeah, what is there's not I I
1: mean, think sometimes you amplify, but not all the time. I don't well, know. But why do you have to do that?
0: I don't have to. Why do you always have to be on?
1: I well, think you just put you. on a
0: suit. You just put on, oh, this is my TV. This is what I'm going to <clears> do now. I mean, not 100% of the time. I think i well, I think I'm we all okay. do that to some extent.
1: Well, you we have to. Right. I mean, you gotta, you got to dance. And with the, like, just say fuck. I
0: can't disagree.
1: I mean, why? why? I mean, if you're going to swear, which seems a little forced anyway.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Because um, if you're
1: going to say, because you feel like you're doing it. But then, if you're not saying fuck, like that's the only square that matters. Well,
0: that's funny, because Dale was very much, has seemingly been very much up in arms about, about the swearing. Why? Because he, same thing, he thinks it's forced, and he said that to oh, me. Well, it is forced. I
1: mean, one day you were told you could swear,
0: obviously. No, that's not true. Well,
1: obviously that happened. You started swearing one day. I mean, you guys, I think a focus, I think these consultants came in, I said this on the air. I know, I heard this. You're denying this happened? Uh, completely. You're calling me a liar? Whoever well, told sourcing? you this was a liar because you weren't there. Triple sourced. Triple wrong. <laughs> Excellent sources. Casey Smith
0: was one of them. She was. <laughs> she not certainly one was. Because I laughed about it when I heard it. I said it to, to Holly. I was like, allegedly, a focus group came in and told focus us. Focus group swear. came
1: in. Yes. Yes.
0: The only guy we've had it is a former guy from uh, ESPN, Jerry Madelon, who's right. a media guy, and he doesn't like the swearing. Okay. But initially, when we were starting, they said, you know, we want to push the envelope on this. Does that mean swearing? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's after nine. It's cable. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I can show you emails where they say, okay, that's enough with, with that particular um Well, are you, are you X amount of swears per show? No, but I called Giles cheese dick, and they thought that was gratuitous, which goes back to your point about, you know, let well, him breathe. But that's okay. That's breaking
1: balls, though. I mean, if he's being a cheese dick, you can call him that. I say dick on the radio. You can say it on TV. No, I, I know, but cheese dick seemed a little bit over the. The talk. fuck is not allowed. No. Why is that? Like, why is shit allowed and not fuck? What's the difference? Because it's an act.
0: Yeah, shitting is an act. Well, like we can, for instance.
1: By I... the way, last time you were on the podcast, let me be clear about this. You were worried that you were going to swear on the podcast.
0: No, I was. Yes, you were before it started. You said I'm worried that. The, the no, 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 are... no! I was worried that we were going to be third rail topics brought up. You don't care about that anymore. No, because I swore on the last podcast.
1: But you don't care about third rail topics. Are they open now? Like what? What are you worried about?
0: I don't want to get into that whole conversation about other people's stuff, like the, the, the drama and the shit. Like no one cares. See, this is why. Look at my paycheck. See, this is. <laughs> I can assure you people care. This is why you were See this is what you've done. You wanted to be a screenwriter right. when you decided that wasn't going to work. You decided to write anyway and now you became a radio host and what you've yeah, you done. Look, this is grand is plan. You, yeah, but you, it's worked out perfectly. Yeah, but when you say nobody you cares had parachuted the- in as a screenwriter and still brought fucking screenwriter sensibilities into this arena. Yeah, but when you say so nobody, now you're an insider, you, in. you know that's not true. I had the same fight with Dale a month ago on the
1: podcast. You know what? Absolutely, the numbers, everyone cares. Of course, they do. Everyone cares. You You're not a huge gossip, though. I don't like to. I've tried to with you, and I've sensed some coldness. So I'm like, I'm not going to bother him. He doesn't like to do that. I know. Although occasionally I rip somebody with me, I'll say, "Fuck this guy."
0: Yeah, I just don't trust other people's input on stuff. Well, why not? Because I want to find out for myself.
1: Yeah, but you can say have a conversation with somebody and say this guy sucks.
0: Yeah, but I want to be sure that he sucks. Is there somebody on
1: the beat who's on the beat all the time right now? You think this guy sucks? Nobody that to lacerate like that. Everybody hates Ben Bowman. Not me, by the way. He, I doesn't, like he doesn't
0: have a lot of self-awareness. What, what do you mean? How hard is that to understand? I think I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, well, I just wanted you to shit on him more. That's, when I do that, I'm just waiting for you to talk more about I it. I just don't think... I think he's, you don't like him? I think, he's completely deta- I think he's completely detached from what the things that he says will cause to have happen. Or the reaction that there will be to them. And then he's surprised... Or is one. he
1: smarter than you think, and he's actually playing an act where he acts surprised. Where he wants to stir up shit. And he says, oh my god, I didn't think this was going to happen. Or am I giving, would that be giving him too much credit?
0: In my opinion, that might be giving him a little too much credit. But, okay. again...
1: Okay. Volan made me think of something. This is good, because uh, Volan, because he wrote when Hernandez died, that he was a nice guy who would ever date Hernandez, remember that. Did Edelman talk about Hernandez at all? Yes. Because, oh, I mean... I think about that. We've never really had a chance to talk to Brady about it. It's never really fitted. I want to ask him. He wouldn't give a great answer probably at this point. I mean, Edelman was in meetings with this guy mm-hmm. for years. Yeah. Three or whatever. You know, three, four years. And knows a guy who killed people and is in jail for the rest of his life. Has Not he ever anymore. tried? Hmm? Not anymore. Well I, well, I understand that. But at the... Oh, I guess by the time you already sat down with him, you'd already killed yep. himself. Um, uh, did he ever try and have contact with him or No.
0: I didn't ask what the relationship was. What was the relationship like?
1: His teammates,
0: he liked them. He did. He liked them because of the the competitive nature of Hernandez. But Hernandez, you know, through Edelman's and, and I don't want to give away everything, oh, work, but um, you know, he had some good insight into he could be pretty acidic and acerbic on the field with his teammates.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, he was shocked when he.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, really yeah. He and not you. Like yeah, and he, you know, he, he did not downplay the level of uh, distraction that it posed to everybody, how, how shocking it was. I mean, that happened in June. You're back at camp in July. Was think, he at the White House? Edelman? This past year?
1: Yeah. That's the day he killed himself. I'm just saying because we were down there for it.
0: I can't remember. No. I didn't remember. ask him about the White House. No, I did ask him about the White House. I don't know. What's going on? See what I'm saying? I don't remember shit. Jesus Christ. That's why I wrote it down. It's in a book. It's a good move. Pick good it up. Move. It's in the book. I'm going to. Pick, I am going to pick this book
1: up. It comes out. October, so I only swore October, a October bunch.
0: 24. I lacerated Ben Vol- Ben Volan mildly. You did fine. Mildly. 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 Uh, you hit Giles. Giles is actually pretty good.
1: Did you hear Giles? Giles is doing a weekend show. Did you hear about this? No. On Eei. Maybe two months ago, and I was driving around with my son because I'm the lousy parents so in the Red Sox post game, and he's like, you know, whatever, reading a book or pretending he's a wrestler. Giles was doing this terrible, like, it's not his fault. He's doing this terrible wrap-up Red Sox post-game show, which is for, I would say, average listener about 84 mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, you can talk. Like, just talk about stuff. You don't have to just go over the box score and say, hey, you know, you get a pitch better and whatever. So I called the station as Dick from Upton and did the a voice of, hello? <laughs> you hear this or no? No. And I called and talked to him, and I said to him something like... <laughs> I've been having a generations-long argument. with My son, I think pitching 66% of the game, he thinks it's 64% of the game. You be the judge. <laughs> I mean, I felt bad for him because he's... Everyone says he's a nice guy. I like Great. him. He's a nice guy. I with him. But I just felt it was such a... I felt bad for him. I just... I'm like, what... Like, I don't know. I feel like that, that sports talk... He's too young. He should but be fucking doing that.
0: But here's the thing. This is that transition. And this is... If he was younger... He would probably be different. But How the fact is, he? is, he's like 30 or 31. The, the ladder that I was on as a writer is gone. Dead. Gone. But he was on that ladder when it burned up underneath him. So right. he's still half an anchor and half an opinion purveyor. And he's going to get better at it. Right. And we're all going to get better at it. But it's just... Well, you were kind of at the start of it, though. You because, jumped ahead of it, though. That's because I was at Metro West and when I was there. Um, I used to write like five or six stories off a game, and my boss' name was Russ Lodi, He used to say, "Write like Borges, write for A1 like Shaughnessy." I would write a fucking on football like Borges analysis thing for sports, but then I would do an A1 column, which really was just Shaughnessy knockoff for everybody. And then I'd write, you know, a news story or something else. So it was. Oh, you don't like Shaughnessy? I actually like him better than I did.
1: Oh, you did? Cause I remember? I walked in one time. You guys were having a big fucking fight. Oh, you the, were there that day. Yeah, I was all excited. I was like, "This is fantastic." Now, went and got both sides, and I think I probably <laughs> love you and I talked to him and shit, him when I talked to you and covered all my corners, and then I just did my show and left.
0: felt fully satisfied. I can't remember what it was. It was some dumb thing. I forget what it was. But occasionally, so he, it, he, he threw me. Do you have a problem with me because I made fun of him on the radio? He's sensitive, though. I said. He said, "You have a problem." I said, "As a matter of fact, I do." Right. I remember this. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. But he's not I mean he'll be missed though. Oh my god. I mean, I mean it's all Ron too though. Oh I love Ron. I mean the work that Shaughnessy did, see that's the thing, is there's not a lot of hidebound journalism taking place in the market.
1: Not a lot. And
0: it's hard. Um, I think Evan Drellick's excellent. Oh me too. Oh, I like Drellick. But that's the thing is you need to devote your time But he's also an opinion guy. He is. Right. You take Bob Holler, or even better for people who even remember Bob Holmes and those were guys who just really pull the covers up over their head and they report it and we don't have as much time to do that anymore that's that's gone because it's just it's hard people don't want to talk about it they're even more resistant to it now um laying it all bare have we gone out too long? you're good well you gotta go I don't know you're just playing with your forehead Like I'm, I'm odd you, have you not come to this realization yet in our time we spent
1: together that you're not dealing with somebody who's no I know that but I'm odd too <clears throat> so I'm trying to follow the non-verbals and put you at ease I'm fine I'm still a little upset about the Springsteen thing but that's I haven't really I've, I haven't really listened since you said
0: that when did you before. when did you start listening to Springsteen so year uh, so my end of uh, born in the USA I was nine me too um, I wasn't nine though you
1: were not nine no you were 23 my, uh, my aunt Sandra, my mom's sister, I uh, was married to Uncle Steve since divorce. divorced very soon after they got married. But, you know, he started, he got me, I was listening to Born in the USA when it came out. Like, for me, at that time, my mom would, would go to Bill Rickham Mall where I lived at the time. She'd give me a couple of dollars. It was a record store. I'd get one or two 45s, basically the ones that came out that would heard on the radio. So if it was, you know, 99 Red Balloons or Human League, I thought Bruce Springsteen was like the new, like, human, like, oh, who's this right, right, new right. guy? Like, what is this? And my Uncle Steve was a massive fan from, like, 75. Yep. And he was like, no, there's more there. And I kind of started going backwards. But I was so in the Born USA for, like, two or three years. It didn't matter. But then after that, I was... I mean, I really never left. I never went anywhere else. I kind of had a point at, like, 84. There was two roads, right? You see right here? I could have gone... It was Van Halen or Springsteen at that point. I remember I was 10. Really? Yeah, so I'm... Van Halen was fucking awesome. I'll wait and jump in Panama and have a teacher. I'm 10 years old. But I, I felt the pull. I think Michael was a big part of it, the pull of Bruce. So I luckily, imagine if I was a fucking diehard Van Halen fan at this point. It was it's tough. Fucked. So Bruce, and he's the greatest. And I agree. A little bit of that book is odd. And, but some of the stuff, the chapter, you read the whole book. Yeah. The chapter where his dad dies and he says goodbye to his dad and all that stuff yep. is awesome writing. I think that's a great chapter. I read that chapter. I've read that chapter 50 times. Really? Yeah. I read it all the time Huh. You busy? What do you know? Breaking stories. I haven't done shit in a while. Last time we were on, the podcast ended, and Brady's suspension got— remember that got upheld or changed or some fucking thing? Yeah, that was in the, the pod, first time we did the first time the, the whole thing.
0: Have we done three?
1: Two. We did three. Two, two.
0: Yeah, the Brady thing got uh, reinstated. Yes. Reinstalled. Yes. Aren't you going to ask me what I'm reading? I was about to ask you what you're reading. I, mean, you I just the finished time. the Executioner's Song by Norman Mailer. Just in time. Gary Gilmore. Great book.
1: Have you read that? Yes, I read that book oh, my freshman year in college.
0: Holy shit! A little thorough, little
1: thorough little, is right.
0: Little too much. But when you when you have a Kindle going, you don't know how much is left. So yeah, you see, just I, keep I flipping I think we talked about
1: this last time. I, don't, I can't. You I just keep book, flipping. I need a book in my hands. And how just, many pages is
0: that On a Kindle? I, don't, I have no idea. Three thousand. A thousand on on regular. The, f- the physical books. Are the have thing. you ever read the uh, the four John Updike Rabbit books? You run Rabbit Run, and I'm not a big
1: Updike. Oh fan. my God! I'm not a big Updike. I fan.
0: don't understand why you wouldn't be.
1: Is there hints of Uptake in, in this book? No, this not at all, but
0: that was what I read before. I just plowed through the You're probably like me. Books.
1: You grew up you read a shitload of sports biographies, right? Yep. What's, is, there, is there a model you had in mind when you, wrote, when you wrote this one or no? Anything you said, oh, you know, this kind of, I want it to be like this. Because let's be honest, there, you could fill this 50 rooms with shitty sports biographies.
0: Yeah, no, I, I honestly. The good ones are,
1: would you, I would say, are, are infrequent. The a guy who wrote a great biography was Andre Agassi. I heard Fucking unbelievable, fully. The book is called "Open," and that's what it is. He fucking bleeds on the page.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what you want. Warts them all. He was pretty good. His 2016 year was very tough. Good. He's very, I guess he was very Edelman. Edelman. Okay. Yeah. So good. All right. It's called. Well, you can leave. It's fine. They get the fuck out of here. I, I got.
1: to go do the thing. Go do your thing. Tonight's a quick slant. Tonight. Quick slants. So Mayo's going to be Perry? screaming at me. Phil Perry, you need to loosen up a little bit. Phil's crazy. I like Phil. I know Relentless. you. Relentless. October twenty fourth, right? Relentless. 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 October twenty fourth. Hatchet books. You can pre-order it. All right, Tommy Curran, as Thanks always, for having and me, We'll man. talk to you soon, Appreciate of course. It. Thank you. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Enough About Me podcast. Actually, you know what? I'm really not thankful at all. You should be thanking me. You get this shit every week. These great podcasts totally free. Do me a favor. Would you go to iTunes, download it, go to Stitcher, do the same and leave a rating, leave a review. That's where you can help me out. This podcast is going to be number one. Again, I guarantee it. And you're going to help me along with the process. So for that, I guess at the end, maybe I will thank you. There's a lot of thank yous going back and forth. Here's the point. Fuck you.